Old Gold Club. Old Gold Club. So hello there, welcome along to another episode of Old Gold Club, my golden game. To like to say on this episode, we are joined by the former captain, Danny Barr. How are you, my friend? Hiya, Mikey. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I am very well. Um, most of the people that I speak to on this have stopped playing and therefore are kind of missing the game somewhat. You are still playing and still going well at Stoke. How's it going? Yeah, mate, I'm still um, still going, still going strong. And yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting few years at Stoke. We had um, a few scrapes last season. Was we left it very tight at the wrong end of the division, um, but this season we've been much, but much better on the pitch. And uh, you know, we have we haven't ruled out playoffs this season so far. So we've we've got enough time to hopefully. Um, mount a late push and uh yeah see where we end up i love the way we say we talk about you still going as if you're ancient you're only 30 <laughs> yeah spring chicken mate plenty plenty in the legs yet it, it's part of that thing though because it, it feels like you've been around for probably longer than you have do you feel that um yeah i do to be honest now when i play with young players um i'm starting to feel the little bit of the divide that you 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 hear old pros talking about it but now i'm starting to feel it when i talk to young pros i'm like wow was i ever really like that i can't imagine me being like that um so yeah i'm starting to think you know what i've been around the block a little bit (laughs) because i guess you were obviously captain from quite a young age and people probably didn't quite realize that so in in footballing terms, did you almost have to mature quicker off the field than than maybe other players of the same age? Yeah, I'd say there's an element of that. You you have a lot more responsibility, obviously, being a captain um, off the field. You obviously have to set an example, which is, I mean, it's so much now. It's so important that players conduct themselves the right way off the field. So, I think young players now that I mean. It's it's very difficult to communicate with them without being critical, and when you when you're not critical, you have to obviously have that tr- the trust of that player. So um, for me, it was a case of just growing up really early, basically, and um, asking all the right questions as much as I could. Um, Try and I think Carl Henry was one that I used to just badger and ask questions to all the time, and uh, learned a lot of him. I was going to say with people like Carl Henry, and then maybe a bit later Sam Ricketts. There's kind of no shortage of players who were prepared to tell you what they thought of you. Yeah, good senior heads that would just um, sort of tell you the truth, which is um, something great to hear for a young player, isn't it? Live through their experiences and try not to um, try not to answer back on the training pitch too much. <laughs> I remember Sylvan. Sylvan used to hate training against me. I used to just kick him and I used to write him and Mick used to say to me, Danny, take it easy today. They've got a game tomorrow. And uh, yeah, so I used to be flat out in the uh, when I was coming through myself. And I think just having those senior players around me at a young age was was such a good good example for me, and something I like to think I've taken in my stride since, and trying to do the same for young players now. Yeah, I mean, one of the guys, I guess, that not quite senior at your time with the club, but certainly not shy of being vocal, is your old pal Connor Cody who yeah. we've been watching over the recent international break, playing for England again. What's that like 
to see your old buddy pulling on the three lines. Yeah, it's brilliant, mate. Honestly, I am very, very proud of him, obviously. Um, he came over my house, actually, for my uh, daughter's first birthday. And I was just having a chat with him and a little catch-up. And um, nothing's changed, mate, which is brilliant. And it's great to see him doing so well. I bet, he's, um, bet he has to pinch himself sometimes just to realise how far he's come. But he's, he's worked hard for it and he deserves it. He's done very... Um, very, very well, and he's obviously um, a ma- major part of Wolf's success over the recent years. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, you kind of feel when he first arrived and he was this box-to-box m- midfielder, um, in the season that we're going back to for your golden game, he mm. back to right back. So <laughs> are you taking credit for teaching him all he knows about being a defender? Yeah, I was inside protecting him, wasn't I, at the time? So... Um... <laughs> <laughs> just easing him back further and further back down the pitch. No, um, to be fair to him, he um, he always applied himself um, wherever he was asked to play, which is a credit to him. Um, and then you know it's down to the manager then to put him in the right place. Where obviously Nuno saw that early on, um, you know, middle of a three, um, and he'll develop into the player he's become now. So uh, it's it's brilliant to see it, and I love watching Wolves play. And obviously, Codes is a massive part of that. So part of that identity and he's um he's even gone into a bat four of late and he's done really well so I've been uh been very impressed with him and I guess it's not just him is it I mean you know a player that you played an awful lot of games with in, in Matt Doherty that's gone on to Spurs now and even the team from the game that we're we're going to talk about there's Helder Costa and Ivan Cavallero who are still having good Premier League careers as well yeah there's there's so many lads from that team I think um when you're part of a successful team, generally most of the lads that make up a successful team um, usually go on to have good careers, to be honest. So um, it's no surprise to me, to be honest, that there's so many lads, you know, playing Premier League or, or Championship. And then, you know, at the other end of the scale, you've got lads that are, are playing, you know, World Cups coming up, European Championships coming up, and, you know, they'll all be part of those squads. So um, I think it's, Promotions and success are all about getting the right the right people and the right players. And um, every other club wants a little piece of that then afterwards, once the team's been successful. So, yeah, I keep track of all what, all the players and how they're doing and how their teams are doing as well. So um, it's brilliant to see the lads you know who've, who've left Wolves as well go on to do so well. Well, we talk about the other end of the scale. Um, ben Marshall is the very other end of that scale. Yeah. Because um, yeah. we're we're talking obviously about Wolves three, Cardiff one from the first of April twenty seventeen, and it's Ben Marshall who I think I'm right in saying effectively sets up both your goals, right? Yeah, so he basically puts it on a sixpence twice, and uh, I'll do the rest. <laughs> he was um he was in good form at the time. I think um I think as a team we'd we'd had a bit of a tough run. I think it was seven games without a win and then um, we were four and beaten I think after the Cardiff game so it was just shows you in that, that little run of fixtures there how, how up and down the team was at the time and um, and sort of the importance of that game was, was obviously massive obviously there's a rivalry Wolves-Cardiff and um, yeah little brace for, for the big man at the back and um, Ben Marshall takes the plaudits with his assists well, we mentioned um, that run of form because it was uh, five defeats in a row and then six games without Ouch. a win 
after the nil-nil at Ipswich. And then there was kind of those big games against Rotherham, Brentford and Fulham where things just changed. And then you go into this Cardiff game and I don't know whether... Is there an, an added boost of confidence because of that turnaround? Because I always think back to that time, Danny, and think even though you'd lost those five games in a row, it, it didn't feel like you were playing that badly, certainly not at the start of the run anyway. No, I think, um, I mean, you look at that team and there were some young players in that team as well. So I think it was a case of, obviously, Paul Lambert was in charge and um, young players on the pitch um, and it was kind of just a, getting a team on the pitch that were playing for each other and playing for the club. And as as clubs go through transitions, there's always going to be a little weaning process. And I think that was kind of evident in in the run of form that you you've just mentioned. So I think when you when you've lost a few games, everything becomes harder. And when you've won a few, everything becomes easier. So going into that game there, I think um, you know lads will have quietly been confident that we we're at home we're playing against Cardiff it's going to be a great atmosphere um, let's go and win the game because I always felt I mean the Burton game was about a week wasn't it after the Liverpool FA Cup match and they scored a really late winner in that and then Newcastle I think I'm right in saying Mitrovic probably should have been sent off and yeah I remember that yeah and then, you know, I guess the Wigan game was disappointing. And then the Blues kind of turn around where you battered them for the last half an hour, 40 minutes. And, and even at Reading where it was a deflected goal and then kind of one that looked borderline offside. And you kind of feel like everything's going against you. And then the strength of character to turn that round says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. And also, like shows you the value of momentum doesn't it it's just massive in in football i think i think any 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 player who's been on a winning team regularly um will tell you that the momentum just carries the team through games but when it's not going your way and you know you're getting ricochets players that should have been sent off um you know debatable offsides i think that's when the momentum is against you so you've got to work awfully hard to get it back on your side and I think that you said the the nil nil against Ipswich would have been one of those games where it was back to basics. Let's just let's, let's get a result and be solid and um, you know try and try and get a result and then you build off the back of that. Um, two goals in this game took your tally to three. Your other one was in the game away at Blues earlier on in the campaign as yeah. well. You yeah. actually had not a bad goal scoring record for a defender, 16 in 212 appearances. Did you always back yourself when you got up in the penalty area? Always. <laughs> always back myself. Um, and the thing is, I think I probably should have had more, a lot more. Um, I think it was Paul Berry who told me that I was the I was Wolves' top goal scorer in centre-back since the war. Wow. Um, potentially, which I, I was like, no way, surely not. Um, but you'd have to check that one. Um, but, but yeah, I always felt like I should be getting at least five a season. So if I'm not, then I'm. Everyone knows that I'm going home and kicking myself and probably uh, working hard to try and get more. So um, I think you said I've got three in that, so far in that season there that we're talking about. Um, but I bet you there's four or five other chances where I should have scored. Well, I know you felt like you should have had a hat trick in this game, which we'll come to 
in a second. <laughs> but, I mean, the first goal is what Ben Marshall lifts a free kick in and you challenge, and then Andy Vyman heads it back across. Is there an element where it helps being the type of defender you were that you kind of do you have a natural ability to read where the ball's going in the penalty area? I think um, when when you go up as a defender, you're just thinking, where would I hate the opposition to go when I'm defending? And that's kind of what I've always thought is like, what do I what do I least like playing against? And it's usually someone getting over the top of me at the back post or someone running across the front of me on the near post. So I generally just try and go off one of those things really and anticipate my, you know, anticipate the ball and where it's going to land. And that that's obviously, you've either got that or you haven't. And um, that's just something that you have to hope goes your way on the day, the, the bounce of the ball. And obviously Vyman there has headed the ball back into an area where I could attack it and just head it in simply, yeah. Because how much of that is luck and how much of it is that kind of natural reading of the play? Yeah, I th- I'd say most of it's probably just like, your ability of reading where the ball is going to land. Like you look at the best strikers in the world, and now they'll, they'll not get many wrong. They'll know where the ball is going to land usually, and then have the technical ability to finish it off. So um, it's just basically, you know, judging the flight of the ball and you know the area it's going to go in really. Because having got that first one, um, Cardiff got themselves level. Uh, Kenneth Sahor kind of heading one over the top of. Andy Lonigan was borderline offside and maybe in VAR era <laughs> might have been looked at a little bit more. Um, and then it's a, a kind of a slightly different headed goal where Ben Marshall just puts in like an absolutely delicious cross. Yeah, I actually remember it clear as day that that was it was a, a centre-back stream that to go and attack. It had a bit of height on it, nice flight kind of got the the defender um, stuck on his heels a little bit and then gives me a chance to get over the top and just head it, head it in. And um, Marshy had a great delivery. His, his delivery is brilliant. Um, it's a shame he's not playing anymore, to be honest, because he had so much ability with the ball at his feet. So um, I think from those two goals, you can see the, you know, he could put the ball on the sixpence and that was probably the reason Paul Lambert signed him. Yeah, are you surprised that he he kind of made the decision he did because he was always a bit of a character, wasn't he? Yeah, I got on great with him. Um, he's a really good lad, and uh, yeah, I was a little bit surprised, but I kind of felt that he's fallen out of love with the game a little bit. Um, whether that's to do with you know personal issues or just his experience in the game, um, for whatever reason, he just didn't have that hunger and that that want to get out of bed every day and go and train and push yourself every day. Obviously, it's not. It's not easy, but um, most players love the game that much that they can they can do that and put themselves through it. But for Benny, obviously, he's, uh, he's not one he wants to stick with. So I'm sure he's enjoying himself now and in whatever else he's doing. Yeah, it's interesting sacrifices, isn't it, that people make? Because you went vegan, didn't you? You might, you might still be vegan. I obviously haven't spoken to you about this for a while, but you went yeah. vegan around this time to kind of get the best out of yourself. Yeah, to be fair, I still I'm still pretty much the same now, um, and uh, yeah, it's just really helped me just look after my body. Um, and obviously now 30, so I want to make sure I can play as long as I can possible, um, and just 
looking after my diet just made things easy for me really like not having to watch what I was eating so much um gives me the oh the main thing was the the way you recover like the aches and the pains just sort of went away I still get aches and pains but just not to the same level literally was like a tin man getting out of bed at some sometimes before and I was just like I've got to do I can't be doing it right it shouldn't be this bad <laughs> so I thought I'd try a change and um yeah I've just stuck with it really really enjoy it and feel good for it so you were in your mid-twenties at that point you can't have been like a tin man <laughs> in your mid-twenties yeah honestly um it's crazy what football can do to to a body, uh, and especially when you someone like me who just wants to train every single day. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the route I went down. I've, I've enjoyed it since, to be honest. Um, the big moment at this game is the Helder Costa wonder goal, where he turns everybody inside out. We mentioned that missed chance that you had for a hat trick. Because if you'd have got a hat-trick, it might have been the thing everybody remembered from the game. But, <laughs> but having scored twice, nobody ever remembers those goals, Danny, because it's all about that Costa yeah. goal. Yeah, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? He, um, we obviously had seen what he could do already, but I think that just that just confirmed it, didn't it? He had crazy ability to, to get the defender 1v1. I actually know Sean Morrison quite well. I think he was the defender who ends up on the floor. Um, fortunately, he wasn't injured. Trying to change direction as quick as Costa, but yeah, Helder just he just turned the burners on Dini and twisted them inside out, and then punishes them with a with a finish. He's, I think that shows you what he, you know what the ability was that he had, and obviously now he's doing so well at Leeds. Did he do that kind of stuff in training? Yeah, quite a bit to be honest. Um, but I think he he used to save an extra gear for games. Like he would do bits in training if he needed to, but he would be more like just come alive at certain times in games. If you remember in that season, he was just such a threat on the counter attack. Um, he, he was getting the ball in our half and sort of driving up the pitch of the ball, lightning quick and receiving the ball in front of him and and doing some real damage. He was really good that season. I remember and um, I think. It's arguably one of his best seasons. I think he was our standout player that year. And I guess maybe it was his injury towards the end that kind of turned things a little bit and kind of maybe contributed to how that season then kind of drifted away towards the end. Yeah, I think so. I think um, he was such an important player that year Um, and it took him a long old while to recover as well, didn't it? He got back fit, but he wasn't back at that level he was at that at that point in time for quite some time. Um, so yeah, I think when you lose a player of that quality, who was performing week in week out, it's a it's a massive blow for a defender because you just you want a player on your team who can cause the other team problems. It gets you up the pitch. It gets gives you time to get organised at the back, and um, losing a player like that usually ends up with more pressure on the back four. And, uh, yeah, so that's probably why the, the season stagnated. Um, there's a great quote, by the way, from Neil Warnock after this game, where he says, I don't think they won the game. I think we lost it. 
We looked comfortable <laughs> early doors, and even when they scored, we looked dangerous. I don't think there was much wrong. Is that fair, or is that just him being a little bit sour? Being a bit, he's been a bit coy there, isn't he? He's trying to um, brush over it a little bit, and it's just vintage Neil Warnock, isn't it? Obviously, so much experience in the game. He's probably just thought, we'll play that one down and just move on to the next one. So overall, mate, what is it about this game? Is it just the, the fact that you got the two? Or is there something else that contributes to make it your golden game? Uh, I mean, the standout is the two goals, mate. I mean, it's not not too often that I... Well, I haven't done it since. I haven't scored two goals in, in one game. So, um, And the fact that I missed a good chance for a third was just... Um, it was just crazy, really. I think I should have started the next game up front. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said I'd do a good job up front. You reckon? I'll tell you what, 10 a season, I reckon. Yeah, but 10, 10's isn't... not even that many in the modern game, mate. Do you not think? Back to goal. For a big, powerful <laughs> centre forward, as you would be. It's all about the link-up play as well. How many goals can you lay on for your teammates? Oh, so this you can is... tell me. You can tell me to shut up, mate, and get back into defence. <laughs> no, <laughs> mate. You know I would never say that because there's you and Carlo Kimi always claim that he'd be much better in a different position as well. And to be honest, you're both bigger <laughs> and stronger than me, so I'd never ever make that kind of comment towards you. But it's it's interesting, you know, hearing kind of the things that. It still plays on your mind, even now, four years on, that you didn't quite get that hat-trick. Because that would have been something, wouldn't it, to have scored a hat-trick for Wolves at Molyneux. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Just because it's it's like, for a defender, that's like, it's something you're probably never going to ever achieve, regardless of the opposition or the level. Um, I don't think Ramos has even got a hat-trick, has he? And he scores goals one goal every seven games is average um, so yeah it was just it was just that it was just like you know what that opportunity was just was just there for me and uh, got away from me unfortunately but you know I'll take the two and <laughs> move on I guess when you look back on it all overall mate um, you had such an adventure at Wolves ups and downs and probably more downs than you would have wanted how do you look back on it all now um, just with immense pride, mate, to be honest. Um, really proud of what I achieved. Um, and just the, the part and the role I played for for the club for so many years. Obviously, contributing on the pitch in a big way and then all the stuff I did off the field as well to to make sure that we, as a club, were going in the right direction. Um, really proud of it and still am today. Yeah, because you've got your foundation just finally. And I know that you were heavily involved in in the response at the start of the pandemic as well, in trying to help out still in this local area, it, it means a lot to you. Oh, yeah, of course it does. Um, and I think it just shows you the fact that so many former players got involved with that um, that response to the pandemic for the NHS workers. was It just speaks volumes of the club and how invested every player felt during their period at, at the club. So... It, it really is a um, special club and obviously really, really 
proud to play such a big part in the history now. And um, now I get to enjoy watching the games. Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts.